This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or For His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Chaplain Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry. No, you don't have to adjust your sound. I kind of sound like this today. I had taken my daughter and my grandson to a hospital in Grand Rapids on Tuesday. He needed to have an x-ray done. Um, he's four months old of his swallow. And I was feeling really good. I was just coming over, getting over my, my cold that I had had uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, got into the hospital. Uh, we had the x-ray done, uh, the swallow study done of him. And I got home and something didn't feel right. And so I have been rebuking and claiming healing since Tuesday. And praise the Lord, I am here. I am happy. I have joy. And uh, I have my water and my cough drop in case. But I am happy to be here today. And I rebuked the enemy and I said, Nah, you are not messing with me. And the sermon that the Lord has given me for this Sunday, right? So praise the Lord. And we can sing, right, joy to the world. And we can sing that song, we can have joy. And then we realize uh, all that we're still facing, all that we're still facing in our families, in our finances, in our marriages, in our work relationships, in our situations. And joy can be hard to find. And that's why I'm so grateful that today, on this third Sunday of Advent, that we are lighting the candle of joy. And we're going to be focusing on that today and remembering where our joy comes from. It is certainly not this world. It is certainly not in anything that happens physically here while we're on earth, not joy. Joy is what we get from Jesus. Joy is what we can have in our hearts and live on top of our circumstances, despite what's happening in this world, despite the hardship. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So this third Sunday of Advent, we're going to read, pray, and reflect on the joy that God's plan gives us, foretold by the prophets and fulfilled by the life and death of Christ. And we're going to meditate on that promise of Christ's coming, glory-filled return, as we light this week the candle of joy. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are greater. I thank you that you are stronger. I thank you that because of Jesus who came to cancel the plans of the enemy, that we can claim that today. We can stand with our dominion and authority that you have given us over this world, over the devil. And I'm grateful to be here today. And I pray for each person today as they're watching, as they're listening, no matter their circumstances, no matter what they're going through right now. Holy Spirit, we pray that you work and move, that you open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have for us today. And we can claim that confidence for ourselves. 
We can live in that joy. We can remain in your love despite the circumstances, despite what's happening in the world today, despite the shape of our hearts. We're going to cling to you. We're going to trust in you. We're going to find our joy in you. And we thank you. We seal this all up by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to do during these next few moments. We love you and praise you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read this today, focusing on this candle, thinking about joy. We're going to look at Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. We're going to think about this right now, 1 through 6. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness and streams of water will water the wasteland. Are you feeling dry today? Are you feeling like a desert where there is no flowers, there is no greenery, there is no joy? We have promises that Jesus is coming. Right. And for the people in the Bible, when they read Isaiah, there was a promised Messiah that was coming. Well, that Messiah has already come. Now, today, as we celebrate Christmas, we focus on the Messiah who is coming back, coming back to take his people home. And we can have joy in that. We can celebrate that. We can think about that. For me, as I look at my life, as I look at how I struggled, especially in my 20s, trying to find happiness, there was no joy. Joy wasn't even in my vocabulary. The only word that I had was happiness. And I struggled each and every day to be happy but I didn't want anybody to know that I was unhappy. I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling. So probably the first three quarters of my life, I spent trying to make a good first impression. Those, few, those first few seconds were so important to me to make sure how I responded to that person, how I looked, how I smiled, what I was wearing, my makeup, my hair. I wanted to present my best self. 
and I wanted to make a first good impression. And I wanted everybody to believe that I was happy because I was so unhappy. And for us today, when we think about happiness, when we think about joy, it's really easy to get caught up in all the negative of the world. It's easy to sit down and watch the news for 30 minutes and after you've spent the entire day trying to navigate family and finances and work and gas prices and getting groceries and then on top of all that add in the Christmas season where there's parties and shopping and you're trying to buy things for your family and there's all these other activities that have landed on your plate on top of just normal life it's easy to get discouraged it's easy to struggle and be filled with fear and anxiety and depression maybe this time of year is sad for you because you are missing people that you love maybe you are grieving the loss of someone that you lost maybe you are grieving the loss of your marriage grieving the loss of a job a season something in your life that has ended and this anniversary this looking at the world and seeing all the happiness and the bright colors and the lights and the cookies and all the commercials all it does is make you feel more sad and more aware that you don't have joy and you may be feeling bombarded right it's like your head is above the water and that's all you can do is just keep it up here so that you don't feel like you're drowning and you've been pushed down below the surface time and time again and you don't know how you're going to keep going. You don't know how you're going to keep moving forward because you can't keep your head above water any more. Are we fighting a losing battle? If we look at the shape of the world, it just continues to get worse and worse. There's more war and more famine and more struggle and more higher prices. There's more inflation. There's more bad weather there's more separation and divorce there's more addiction there's more depression if I were to look back at my life in my 20s the shape of the world and look at it now we're definitely going in the wrong direction but maybe just maybe we're focusing on the wrong things and I want you to just stay with me here for a second what are you focused on right now where are your eyes what are you looking to is your head down focused on your situation focused on the shape of the world is your is your attention focused on the news and and all the negative is your attention focused on the struggle on the hardship, on the disease, where is your focus? Because maybe we are focusing on the wrong things. 
One producer's view of a news story is not the only perspective. A magazine cover at the checkout line with pictures of a distraught couple's fighting is not the only version. Or the perfect airbrushed picture of this woman balancing all of these things. Or the man, the well-dressed man, the most sexiest man alive. Are we focused on what we're seeing, which is not necessarily true life? We can get caught up on images and all the A-roll on Facebook and social media. We can look to the world where the world will tell us where to find our true joy. But here's the thing, when we focus on the wrong things, when we're focused out on the world, the shape of the world, what the world is telling us each and every day, then it's going to be hard for us to keep our head above water because we're focusing on the wrong things. We're focusing on the negative, the untrue, the worldly things. And the Bible tells us not to focus on those things. And it tells us what we are to focus on, which is Jesus. In my case, when I look at my 20s, when I looked at all those moments where I was trying to make my great first impression, that I was trying to convince that person in the 30 seconds that I was with them that everything was okay, that I was happy, I spent years focusing on the wrong things. For one, I was so focused and wrapped up in myself. Poor Amy. What's going on with Amy today? Why am I feeling this way? Why can't I do anything right? Why am I unhappy? Why am I depressed? Why is my situation this way? Why is my marriage struggling? Everything revolved around Amy and my situation. I was so wrapped up in my own pain, my own troubles, my own sadness, that here's the thing. I couldn't see that other people around me were also struggling. I couldn't see that there were other people around me maybe going through the same thing I was, maybe trapped under that same burden of depression, maybe struggling with their finances, maybe struggling in their marriage, but it was all about me and everything that I was going through. And each day I lay under my own pain, covered up in a blanket of despair, wrapping myself up and wanting to never leave. And there were a lot of days that I stuck on the couch, wrapped up in my blanket, letting my dishes pile up, struggling under the own weight of my depression, not getting up, not actively participating in my life. And let me tell you, this is where the enemy wants us to stay. The devil wants us to stay isolated and alone, trapped, feeling the weight of our issues, feeling that there is no way out, believing that God is not big enough. 
This is where the enemy wants us to stay and put up camp. And when we're focused on ourselves, for good or bad, we can't see others. And we can't be used by God. We can't be in community. We can't be in community with God because we're just so withdrawn and our eyes are not on Him. When we're focused on ourselves, stuck in these painful moments, we're not activating our faith. We're not stepping out and believing that God is big enough. We are not believing in His Word. We're not using His promises to make our steps go forward. We're stuck on the side of the road with our hood up, the car is off, and we're not going anywhere. And that's where the enemy wants us to stay. What I needed to do in those 20s and 30s and the beginning of 40 was I needed to lift my eyes and focus on Jesus. The Bible gives us hope when we read verses like this. When we lift our eyes away from our situations and focus on Jesus and his word, we read verses like this. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. How about this one? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Isaiah 40, 26. I believe with everything that I am that we lose our joy when we don't focus on Jesus. When we look at the world only with our physical eyes. And we need to remember that we're not just physical beings, right? We are created in the image of God. We have these physical beings, but we also have a spirit. And if we're focused only on the physical, we get wrapped up in how the world looks from our limited vantage point, from only where our eyes look. And we can't reconcile in our minds how powerful God is, how he can work and move in all of our situations. We forget that he is still on the throne because of where we're looking. And we wonder, how could God allow struggle and pain and hardship and hunger and death and the kind of devastation that is tangible and metastasizing. What we're not remembering is that what we see in the world today was not God's original design. And what we're seeing today is the world 
crumbling because we have turned our eyes away from God. We have turned our faces away from God and we've chosen flesh over spirit. We've chosen the world over God's word. We've chosen sin over salvation. We've allowed the devil to take our dominion and authority in this world and to do whatever he wants with us. And we just sit there and just get beat up all day long by the devil, letting him come in and give us disease and depression and discouragement and work on our marriages and our families and steal, kill, and destroy. And my friends, it is time to wake up. It is time to take back our dominion and authority. It is time to keep our eyes on Jesus and to start loving and forgiving and living as he is calling us to do. This original design, if you want proof of it, then you can turn your Bibles to Genesis 1 through 3. And we'll read about how God spoke our world into existence and gave us a beautiful creation to live in. How he made us in his image, gave us the world to rule over and moved among us freely, walking and talking in relationship and love how he originally designed, right? This community with God. But then the whisper The enemy enemy of our souls arrives on the scene and speaks to Eve in the garden and says, Did God really say not to eat from any tree in the garden? You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And aren't those the words that we're still hearing today? Did God really say that he loves you? Did God really say you're forgiven? Did God really say you're worthy and that he has great plans for you? I don't think so. Did God really say that you're healed? That you're loved? That you're really going to have joy if you remain? Here's the thing. God does love us and God did have this original design for the world. And when sin broke in, God started this plan to restore us, to redeem us, to bring us back to himself so that we had full access to the throne. And he did that with Jesus. In his infinite love for us, he started this world down a path of restoration. When we failed by listening to the enemy, God orchestrated a way of redemption, sending his only son to walk among us, restore us to himself, and break the sin of cur- the break the curse of sin and death that came the day Eve listened to those words and tasted the fruit in the garden. You see, when we look at this world with our physical eyes, without focusing on Jesus, we see the effects of the curse. 
we see the perceptual, the perpetual motion of the earth that has been dying a slow death. We see the brokenness. We see the sin. We see the effects of the enemy. We as Christians have a front row seat to what the enemy is doing to this world. We are watching the battle. We can see what he is trying to do. And he is doing everything he can to distract us and the non-believers away from God. We are looking at this world as the end, though this is all there is. And we are stuck in our situations and our hardships and the shape of the world and thinking, this is it. This is the rest of my life. But God, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are believing that he is the son of God. You are believing that God sent him to the world to change the world, to forgive us of our sins, to die on a cross, and that he is coming back to take us home. Not to this world. He is making a new world, a new heaven, and a new earth that we get to enjoy for all of eternity. That's the promise that we have. That's the hope that we have. And with that comes great joy. Jesus was, is working and moving today preparing a place for us. And we read that in Isaiah 35, 1 through 10, and I'm going to read those verses one more time. Joy of the redeemed. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jockals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a, highway, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. This was written 700 years before Jesus was born. 
the people were waiting for their Messiah and knew without a doubt that that when he arrived, his appearance would change everything. Now today, we are waiting for him to come again, to wipe away every tear, to destroy the works of the devil so that we can live for an eternity with him, with joy and peace and love in community with God as he originally designed it to be. We need to remember that while we are on different journeys, all of us, different places in the world that we live, different families, different jobs, we are all on the same highway to heaven, our eternal home in heaven. This life that we're living is only a blip on the radar compared to an eternity with Jesus Christ. When we lift our heads and focus not on our problems, not on our situations, but when we look to Jesus, trusting in the Holy Spirit and in God's promises, we can see that this world is only temporary and that our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. When I finally lifted my head and looked to Jesus, I could see that he was faithful. I could see that he was steadfast. I could see that he was waiting for me with his hand held out saying, I've got you. But you need to walk with me. You need to keep your eyes focused on me. What happened to Peter when he got out of the boat and took his eyes away from Jesus? He began to sink. And that's what we all do. And I want you to keep that imagery in your hearts today. Right? We're all walking on waves of this world. And all of us are going to sink if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, the one, the only one who can walk on the water and walk ahead of us and hold our hand. I struggled for a lot of years. And in 2013, Jesus completely healed me and put me on a brand new path. But here's the thing. In 2015, he took my husband and I to Guatemala to look at what serving other people looks like. He showed me that what it was like to lift my eyes away from myself, away from my issues, away from my circumstances, and to serve the hurting and the lost. Traveling the bustling streets, buzzing with multitudes of people, scattered with trash and abandoned metal carcasses that were once vehicles, my eyes were opened to another world. Other people struggle all over the world. I'm not the only one. I needed to lift my eyes. 
when we finally arrived at the village, we were greeted by young and old alike, decked with their best clothes, eager to pray over us and share everything they had with us. And over those next seven days, we would be building houses, conducting a vacation Bible school at the community church. And we would be presenting families new homes, these metal steel buildings that we had put together, these 12 by 12 buildings that they would live in. But what I would gain the most from this life-altering opportunity to function as the hands and feet of Jesus was that I would walk away forever changed with a commission to serve the lost, the broken, the hurting, that I needed to take my eyes off of myself and offer up to others the love of Jesus, sharing with them everything he wants them to have. Love, salvation, what does it look like to serve? I was reminded that we've all been commissioned, all of us, it's not just for the disciples, it's not just for the pastors or the elders or the deacons, we have all been commissioned. I invite you to read the words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 25, 35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you look after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see, when did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we read these verses, we're re we realize not only that we're commissioned to help those in need, but that we're not the only ones struggling and fighting each day. While living on this earth, we're fighting a battle and it's not just about us, but it's about our brothers and our sisters all around the world. And we read in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The family of believers, all of us. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ and you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. As these verses state, our family of believers is not just inside our home or in our backyard, but throughout the world. 
And when we put on the full armor of Christ, we're not only fighting for ourselves, but for everyone else, all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a great responsibility and a better focus, right, than just on our own troubles and our own struggles and what's happening in our own households. When I realized this, my troubles seemed to diminish in comparison to the issues that I could see around me. My perspective changed. My focus changed. And feeling sorry for myself was no longer an option. The devil likes to work and move, right? That self-seeking spirit wants to come up and raise its ugly head and have us stuck on our couches feeling sad and just desperate without joy. We have to ask ourselves, what are we focusing on? And are we realizing that there is a whole world of people that are also hurting, that we could stand together and fight the enemy together and keep our joy despite our circumstances? When I finally looked at Jesus and others, I could see myself more clearly. I could see that true beauty was the way God painted the sky or how in my daughter's arms with her baby was just this beautiful creation that God made. I could see the love in each expression of kindness God prompted me to do, whether that was handing someone a steaming cup of coffee to a stranger or smiling to the the checkout lady or letting someone take my parking spot or giving someone a gift of love who needed to feel God's love in that moment. I now stood in the mirror seeing God the way he designed me to be in community with him and with others sharing the love of Jesus Christ not focused on my circumstances that were fleeting, but trusting in Jesus who is still on the throne, who is still making a way, who is still making everything come together for his glory. And this is precisely where you are going to find your joy. Not in the world, in seeking approval from others, not in rating and measuring your life against the magazines and the checkout, not at looking at other people, not trying to make that first good impression and trying to show them that you're perfect and you're happy even though you're not. You'll find your joy when you look to Jesus, the author and restoration and rebirth. When you lift your head and seek his faith, his truth, his love. You'll find your joy when you see others' needs and realize how you can function as his hands and feet. And you'll find your joy when you see yourself the way that God sees you as a child of the Most High King. Joy. Joy. It's easy to get caught up in all of the negative things of this world. It's easy to look so closely 
at our situation and not look up and see Jesus. But when we stay awake and alert, focusing on Jesus, putting on the full armor of God and fighting the battle, we will win every time, every single time. But here's the thing, God's grace, right? We can always return. When we're struggling and we've lost our focus, we can always readjust and realign our lives with God's word. We can always get up off the ground, pick ourselves up and say, okay, I'm ready again, Lord. Today, your mercies are new. Today, I'm following you. Today, I'm going to have your joy. Help me to walk that out. We have to remember that this is a journey, right? That this isn't a sprint, but it's a marathon. That Jesus is walking with us. He doesn't promise that it will be easy, but he does promise that he will never leave your side. When I look back at my life, I see the struggles that I went through, those really challenging 20s and 30s and 40s. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't want to go back and have a do-over because everything that I learned made me who I am today. Jesus doesn't waste one ounce of our pain. And every situation that I went through, every hardship, every struggle, every trial has brought me through with a greater love for him the redemption that I can have when trusting in him. And today I have joy. I have joy in the lack and the plenty. I have joy in the steady and the, the hardship. I have joy when things are good and when things are bad. I wouldn't know the true meaning of joy because I have struggled with depression. I have struggled with anxiousness and I slept beneath the heavy blanket of despair. I am what I am today because of my journey and the faithfulness of a father who loves me and has never let go of my hand even when I let go of his. I may have spent the first three quarters of my life trying to make a first good impression. But I plan on spending the remainder of my life with my full armor of God, my marching boots on, sharing the love of Jesus Christ wherever I go, with whoever I talk to, whether I'm here in Michigan or traveling around the world, I will not stop sharing the love of Jesus and how we need to focus on him no matter the situation. And I know that maybe today you're struggling. Maybe today you are not having your joy. Maybe today you feel distracted and discouraged. I want you to uh, refocus. I want you to look up I want you to trust in him alone. And I want to leave you with a verse that I cling to with both my hands. 
And I want you to hear the full verse, the entire context, because it's all connected. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. As we are moving through this Christmas season, being intentional and focusing on the gifts of Jesus, remember to have joy. Remember that to have joy, we need to focus on Jesus and we need to remain in his love. A love that was so great, it came to this world as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, Lying in a manger, a baby that would grow up, teach, heal, save, deliver, and then die on a cross while we were still sinners so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have full access to the Father, making his way so that we could have everlasting life with him and everlasting joy. Keep your focus. Lift your eyes. Remain in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, you are so faithful. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for giving us the ability and the opportunity to always return. Thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, it's so easy today to get distracted, to take our eyes off of you, and then we walk off the path. Our feet follow, and we start walking down this this road of discouragement and depression, and we get wrapped up in the world. Lord, help us to return. Today, 
we all stand and say, Lord, that we repent of our sin. We repent of looking to the world. We repent of acting in our own flesh. And today we receive your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for loving us that much. Today we also return to the path. We return to the path that you have for each one of us, the great plans that you have for each one of us. Help us to keep our eyes on you, to lift our heads and to look at you. Help us to have our joy. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If I may, I want to leave you with a final blessing. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Have a wonderful week. I pray that you have your joy. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.